Welcome to the Body, Mind, Spirit podcast, a podcast for the Idea Crucible, an online magazine based around body, mind, spirit, integration, and therapy. My name is Eric Moya, and I'm your host. Today, we have part two of my interview with Nikki Kendward, author of the recently published book, It's All in Your Gut, Let Your Second Brain Guide You to Optimal Health. In the first part of our interview, Nikki and I talked about her process of writing the book, a description of her book, the interface of personal work as a therapist and client, the role of emotion in the diet, and the anatomical structures which comprise the enteric nervous system. Now, in part two, we get to go a little bit bigger picture. Hope you enjoy it. Now, you mentioned earlier, and something that you come up in the bo- with in the book, back to the emotional body and, and yeah. the physical body, you mentioned that you're coming up, that you're coining a term post-traumatic gut and trauma and the gut. Uh, yes. What is post-traumatic gut and how how would someone know if, if that was part of their concern? Good question. So I was diagnosed with PTSD many years ago, but for me, the bit that was the most difficult to understand and work with was the gut aspect of that. And I realized, of course, that the label PTSD, the term, was created by psychologists and psychiatrists, and the gut bit was kind of left out. But an awful lot of people that I see with PTSD have digestive issues, gut problems. And so, so two things. Firstly, I'm not keen on the word disorder, so I like to refer to it more as post-traumatic stress. And I, that's just my own personal view, rather than being a disorder. And for me, I felt that my gut was definitely had post-traumatic gut. And I like to expand the idea of trauma. I mean, it can be obvious emotional trauma. It could be surgery. It could be environmental trauma and insults. There could be a wide range of things. So who is your book for? Well, when I started writing it, Eric, I thought I was going to be writing it mainly for craniosacral therapists and other body workers. But as I started to think about it and as the words started to come out, I realized that actually, yes, I am writing it for them. But much more than that, I wanted to share my experience and my ideas with a lay audience because I, I felt that for me, I'd had to be secret about my post-traumatic gut, that people got I thought I couldn't talk about it because if you talk about mental health and the bowel, you've got two taboo subjects there and people just really don't want to know. (laughs) And then so you don't talk about it because it's not better in quotes yet. And so you then feel more isolated and ashamed and you keep it a secret. And I think that happens a lot with the gut and mental health stuff from talking to people that I know and in my practice. And then, of course, it dawned on me that you become part of the problem of keeping it a taboo because I'm not talking about it. So that's not going to help. So I'm part of the problem. So what I decided to do was to share, not to be open about it, because I didn't, because I wanted other people to feel less isolated, not ashamed, to be able to talk about it, to realize they're not alone. And other people are feeling these things and confused and trying to find a way through it. So it's a sense you're, you're giving permission. You're not keeping it silent. 
And yeah. almost, uh, I get a sense that you're almost acting as a, a role model of how to make this, to bring awareness and how to make the world a better place. Well, or, or to help that kind of healing happen. Absolutely, yes. And I, I'm a great believer in sharing process and allowing myself to be vulnerable in order to, to do that. And I think that's uh, a strength in my view. I love it. And that takes us full circle all the way back to the very beginning of the conversation where we're talking yeah. about the interface of personal journey and, uh, and your clinical work. If you could hope for a particular outcome or transformation in the reader once they read your book, Mm. what would that be? Right. I think I would hope that they would look deeper than the nutritional aspects and take time just to really listen to their gut. I give strategies in the book. I explain the layers and I suggest people can just put their hands on the gut and go through the layers themselves and see what comes up or, of course, find a therapist to help them. But I really want them to not feel alone. That's the main thing. And to realize that if they've cut out gluten and they've still got a problem, it doesn't mean that they're not doing something right. It means that there's maybe something else, something deeper. And that's perfectly normal. And we can work with that. Mm. I love it. A couple of key things, features in your book that I really pull out of it, like we talked about, is that that transparency of personal process and service of becoming better and helping other people with that. And then the other thing that really comes through in your book as well that you just touched on is that a lot of working with your gut, it almost seems like you're advocating kind of a stance where you're befriending your gut or partnering with and listening to. Uh, Yes. Yeah, please, if you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah, I like the term befriending. Because I think I would get very frustrated with my gut. It's like, oh, no, not this again. Come on, what's the matter? You know, I didn't eat anything wrong today. And I'd get frustrated with it and cross and think, well, I, and feel a bit helpless about it. Whereas when I started to really listen and have a deeper understanding about the barrier, the gut, how it worked then I was in a process of befriending it and listening to it as we would to each other, to a friend. And that felt already better because I felt like we were on the same side instead of fighting a war. That sounds like a very important shift. Yeah. A very important shift for clients to make. And now speaking Mm. as a therapist... You know, it's understandable that if somebody is really having uncomfortable, distressing symptoms in their gut, that, mm. they, that they would kind of take this sort of adversarial stance with it. Yeah. How, how do you as a therapist help uh, a person in frustration begin making that shift to befriending and learning from and partnering with their experience? Well, when, I'm, when I've got them on my treatment table, I'll encourage them to be present in the gut and where we're working to notice what it's like being there just as we might do in other parts of the body with our work so very much encouraging them to be present and as we do the gut work often emotional stuff will come up or memories or events or something and then they begin to understand why the gut is behaving like that 
And with that understanding, I think you can get rid of some of the anger and frustration and think, oh, so I see why now. You know, it was when I was 21 and you went into freeze and that's why I've been constipated all the time. And I understand because this is what happened in my life and I remember, you know, or whatever it might be. So through greater understanding and presence. And then also I will, depending on the person, give them a certain amount of information about the gut, the nervous system, how it works, the layers. So they, it's not just a tube that the poo goes through, but it's actually this complex, emotional, sensitive area which has this delicate boundary and, you know, you could talk philosophically about the whole boundary issue as well. I've only just started thinking about, really. Which I definitely want to talk about in just a moment. What I'm hearing you say is both working with understanding, you know, and listening to, but I also hear a little mm. element of compassion in there, too. Oh, hugely. Yeah, because if they can have better understanding that helps people have compassion for their gut for themselves for what's happening and that to me has to be a big step in terms of integrating befriending with these aspects of ourselves that are problematic and that's quite difficult i've found it really difficult to be compassionate to my own gut (laughs) (laughs) understandable (laughs) yeah well, and, com- and compassionate maybe with those parts of ourselves that we're not so pleased with. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of the journey we go on with therapy. Well, we've covered the body aspect pretty well in this little conversation, and we've even covered the mind or the psychology aspect a little bit. Mm. And then just a few moments ago, you were starting to talk about the boundary aspect, and it occurs to me mm. this might be a chance to start addressing the spirit part of the body-mind-spirit as well. Mm. And just mm. back to that whole idea of that this is an important area where we have the outside coming inside. Mm. Uh, how do you understand that in a much bigger sense, too, and, and how well, it ties in? It's really interesting when you look at things like yoga, Buddhism, Tai Chi, Shiatsu, you know, all a lot of Eastern arts, they refer to the Dantian and the lower Dantian, everything in the navel, the navel and behind it, um, as being the center of our spiritual growth. So a Buddhist monk would ask his students to put their awareness there in that place, not in their head, not in their heart, but right there in the bowels, in order for them to begin to grow emotionally and spiritually. And yet, it's interesting in the West, we haven't really seen it that way. We've seen it more as somewhere where we digest our food and get rid of the waste, which is a very big jump from it being the center of spiritual growth. I think it's a place where we do a lot of processing and integrating of our experience on this earth and that has to be the foundation of our spiritual growth. You know, I think about all the common phrases that we have in society, like listen to your gut, trust your gut. Yes. And basically ways of talking about listening to our intuition. Yes. 
So with that in mind, what what is the type of intelligence or the type of wisdom that might come from the gut that perhaps doesn't come to us in other ways? Ah, mm, well, it's definitely below our rational and cognitive brain, which is very useful in some ways, but I believe has its limitations. Uh, it's from a much deeper place in the body. It's hugely connected with the limbic system in the brain, uh, which we know is part of our emotional processing. I do feel in myself and just from what I've been developing that it's the knowledge we get as we respond to the world coming in. It's part of that. It's very key in terms of our experience on this earth. And it's going to respond in quite a unique way. I don't think I'm explaining that very well at all. (laughs) Well, could you say that one sentence again? It's a key part of the knowledge coming in. It's a key part of the wisdom we get by being on this earth because it responds so directly to what comes in. Almost like frontline interface. I think, yeah, I like that. Frontline interface. Absolutely. Then, of course, the second second barrier is the blood-brain barrier. So we often find, don't we, that if there's a leaky gut or if stress has created gaps or difficult areas, inflammatory areas in this delicate single-cell barrier, stuff comes in that shouldn't, then we often get inflammation in the blood-brain barrier and the central nervous system as well. So I know I've taken a leap forward there, but it's almost like this is the frontline defense and then the blood-brain barrier is the next one. Okay, okay. All right, so fast forward 10 years, 15 years. <laughs> what do you think therapy related to this kind of system might begin looking like? Oh, gosh. I think there'll be a lot more research about the conversations between the bacteria, the enteric glia, the enteric neurons will have a much better understanding of this. I mean, in the brain, for example, we understand a lot about the glial cells now, whereas in the gut, we have very few specified types of glial cells because it's right at the beginning of the research there. There's a lot that we don't know about it. So I think we'll have a much, there'll be a lot more scientific understanding And that will help us with our hands to be more informed, to be able to work better with the gut and the problems people have. And I hope that in 10 years' time, people will accept much more readily the idea of the underlying stories in the gut that that will, in the end, define how we receive the food that comes in. So for me, the food is the icing on the cake, but the emotional stuff is the cake. Got it. Well, and that, yeah. and that really what you're talking about is a much bigger, much bigger picture. This isn't just about food, and it's not just about the belly, no. but uh, but a key part of helping us and become who we are. Yeah, absolutely, huge. Yeah, the implications for that are huge, indeed. Yeah. So it feels like it's a piece of the puzzle that's really important. And it's so complex in there, it made me even more understanding of how we need to have a really holistic approach. 
<laughs> it wet your whistle, so to speak. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, oh ho, ho. <laughs> I know. Well, and again, all the natural food references we have to our experiences of the world, too. Yes. Oh, cool. Absolutely. We swallow our words, you know. Oh, yeah, it's all that. We hold our tongue. Well, and even in Gestalt therapy, you know, the whole the whole idea of how we digest ideas and how we yes. integrate them, and that it's possible yes. to have ideas and emotions that remain undigested and unintegrated in us. Absolutely, and where are they going to be? A lot of them are going to be sitting in our digestive system. Not digested, not integrated. <laughs> well, Nikki, I really appreciate your your not just your passions and your presence, but also that you're putting the the highlight on this particular topic and uh, bringing it to our awareness, so that we as practitioners and people who are looking to become healthier can move forward. So, thank you for your work. Oh well, it's it is my passion and my pleasure, and um, I love the opportunity to talk about it because for the same reason that I wrote the book, I want people to realise that this is a big area, and I don't want them to feel they can't talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, on the home page, well, uh, on the home page on the idea crucible, I'll make sure to put a link so that way if people want uh, to get your book they can and uh, find out some more information right and hopefully we can get you on this podcast or doing another presentation or something again in the future in the meantime really thank you for being here Nikki and I really appreciate uh, you, you doing this interview well thank you very much Eric and I really enjoyed talking to you great fun as always well this concludes my interview with Nikki Kenward I very much hope you enjoyed it as always, please come check out The Idea Crucible at www.theideacrucible.com. And also, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you can keep learning about the great stuff that we are up to all the time. Thank you for trying to become a better person and practitioner each and every day. <laughs>